Hello, my warrior loves. Welcome to Beyond Body, a mini series where we are exploring body image and how to change the internal and external scripts that influence the way you think and feel about your own body. Subscribe and follow along to hear real life stories and experiences on the path to body image healing. Now, if negative body image is holding you back and fueling your eating disorder, listen up. This February, we are curating a small, intimate group of warriors for Beyond Body, a six-month body image accelerator program that brings together tangible practices you can call on for the rest of your life and an intimate group format for deep learning, healing, and integration. Now, we officially start in March, so February is the time to get your application in and get on a discovery call to see if Beyond Body is for you. Beyond Body is a safe container designed for women in their mid to late 30s, 40s, and 50s who want to do real, long-lasting work to improve their body image so this one precious life can be enjoyed more fully and freely. With the right approach, skills, and support, body dissatisfaction doesn't have to hold you back in your relationships and career. If you want to make this the year you do deeper body image healing work during the spring and summer months, request an invite to apply for Beyond Body at recoverywarriors.com slash beyond. Spots are limited, so get yours in now by requesting an invite to apply at recoverywarriors.com slash beyond. Today, I am here with Joni O'Donnell. Joni is an alumni of the Courage Club, and I've had the pleasure of knowing her for over three years now, a little more than that. So it's just been amazing to reflect back on the time and when I first met Joni to where she is now. And it's just been so rewarding to witness her healing and watch her rise into a whole new career path as a certified eating counselor and life balance coach. She now helps people go through a similar journey that she went through to free themselves from years of chronic dieting and to finally make peace with food in their body, which I know all of you are interested in, and that's why you're tuning in today. So Joni has a master's in education, multiple coaching certifications, and decades of lived experience battling food and body. And I just always love to hear Joni talk about her experience, and I'm excited to have her here today with you all to share her body image healing journey. So Joni, what a blessing. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much, Jessica. It's, it's so great to be here. I know when you asked me to, to come in on this podcast with you, I was so excited thinking I just get to sit down and talk with Jessica, which has always been a pleasure. So thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I love that. So let's let's start at the beginning here, mm-hmm. or you know, the earliest kind of when it all started for you. At what age were you when you first became aware that your body was something to manage and keep small? And was there anything particular going on in, in your life at that time? Yeah, it's a, it's such a good question because when you think back, you know, at the time when I was young, I didn't realize that this was that this was kind of like happening in the foreground. But I, I it came to it came. To, to me, when I was first, I was about six or seven years old, the first time that somebody called me fat or I heard the word fat at like at six or seven, I was in first grade and it was this little boy and he said it um, kind of like lovingly, um, poked me in the belly and said, oh, you're, you know, you're like the Pillsbury dough person or whatever and poked me in the belly and said, oh, you're so cute. I really like you. You're so fat and poked me in the belly. And, and so at the time, I, I think I was just confused because it sounded like he was like being nice to me, but then also poking me and calling me fat. So I think that's probably the first memory I have that, that my body, you know, was different than the other girls. I mean, I could see, you know, that we had different sized bodies, but it wasn't really until the age of 10 um, that I really started to notice and I really started to feel that my body is is different and it's something that needs to be managed and manipulated. And so at 10 years old, I was brought to Weight Watchers. I was did a little stint with Overeaters Anonymous as a, as a child, like of, of 10 wow. or 11 years old. And then I got enrolled in a clinical drug trial at a local hospital and they were testing on a new weight loss drug for kids. And that was like between the ages of 11 and 12. And um I had no clue at the time. I all I knew at the time was that I hated it. I hated going. I hated being there. I hated getting weighed in. I hated talking to the doctors. And now I look back and I'm like, boy, that was really that was really like the beginning of my 
years of hating my body and and developing an eating disorder. That is so young to be at Weight Watchers at ten. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I was young, and um, and one one really poignant memory memory for me is that I sat in this meeting with all older women. My mom brought me this this Weight Watchers leader person. <laughs> Um, looked right at me because I was the child in the room and said, you cannot eat peanut butter. Like peanut butter is really bad. So don't eat peanut butter. Never thought about peanut butter in my life. I mean, I ate it like normal kids did. And so I couldn't get that thought out of my head that she shook her finger and told me not to eat peanut butter. So that night, I'll never forget this. It was like three in the morning. I woke up and I was still thinking about peanut butter. Like as I woke up in the middle of the night and I walked out to the kitchen in my nightgown, I grabbed a spoon, the jar of peanut butter. I sat on the floor eating like spoonfuls of peanut butter and I closed it back up, put it in the count, put it back in the cabinet, washed the spoon, hoped I removed all the evidence that this had happened. And I went back to bed. I realized that that was my first like binge as a result of restriction. So that's, um, yeah, that's a very poignant memory from that age. Yeah, and it's interesting when you think about restriction where there's like underpinnings of physiological restriction, which we talk a lot about, you know, on, mm-hmm. on this channel, but yeah, like physiological or um, psychological restriction, meaning like this is forever, not mm-hmm. yours. Like you can no longer, this is bad, right? And so that right. psychological restriction can lead to these binges as well. Yeah, for sure. Where it's just like off limits. Was there any, um, did your mom go with you to, or did your mom also do Weight Watchers? Like, was that a bonding experience for you too? Like, was it something that she thought would be like, that you could do together or that you could bond over? Well, it's funny because I think at that age, at 10, I think it was more, um, she was going to go with me because I needed to go. She thought a doctor told her I needed to go or something like that. So I think she was just there because she was my mother and I was 10 and I couldn't be in this meeting really by myself. But but throughout our life, this is interesting. So throughout our life, there were other stints of Weight Watchers and other mm-hmm. stints that we've gone together. Like before, uh, I think it was one time when I was in high school and then another um, before I got married, I got married kind of young at like 23. And prior to my wedding, we both went to Weight Watchers together and she lost like a ton of weight and got very, very thin. I lost some weight, but I still, you know, had my, my body is my body and it's the way it is. And so I realized like, I'm not, I'm not going to change this all that much. Um, but so, th- yeah, so Weight Watchers kind of was a bonding experience in a weird, in a weird kind of way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. In a bit of a dysfunctional, mm-hmm. <laughs> like not necessarily <laughs> right, right, right. healthy way, Yeah. <laughs> which welcome to families. <laughs> uh <laughs> What was your biggest body insecurity back at that age around 10 um, or just, you know, thinking, reflecting back, what has been your biggest body insecurity and how has it evolved for you? Uh, yeah, I think, I think overall it was just kind of being seen like parts, parts of my body being seen in public. Um, so I grew up on Long Island. I grew up right near the beach. And so summers we spent almost every day at the beach, almost all day long when we were kids and, um, and we had a pool in the backyard. So I love swimming. Like water to me is everything. Like I love to be in water. I love to swim. I love to float all the things in water. And I remember I reached an age where all of a sudden I didn't really like being seen at the beach in a bathing suit. And I started to Mm -hmm. notice, you know, like, I don't like the way people are looking or I don't know. I don't like the way I'm perceiving people to be looking at me, which most likely they weren't, but it was, you know, these thoughts started coming in and, um, and it got harder and harder to be comfortable at the beach, which was a bummer because I loved being there. And then as a teenager, you're going to the beach with your friends because that's what everybody does. And so for me, I always use my very, very, very pale (laughs) white skin as an excuse to kind of cover up more at the beach. So I didn't, you know, get sunburned, but I would have loved to have been uncovered and free running around and swimming and but I, I started to let all of those things kind of, no pun intended, dry up from the from, from like being out of the water and, and in a bathing suit. So that was really that was really a tough one for me. Just not sometimes not wearing the same fashions as everybody else. You know, clothing options back then when I was a kid were very very limited. If you were of a different size. So the transition from kind of winter, spring, spring to summer, was that always met with a lot of anxiety for you? Because all of a sudden you're trading in turtlenecks for sleeveless tops. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't wear like jeans all summer long 
you know, even though I, I started to at some point, you know, I stopped wanting to wear shorts and, and things like that. And, and I, I'm going to say like that kind of really during my teenage years was a battle was, was really hard. And then when I got older, I just, it just became my way of life. And I didn't really think about it that much anymore. I just, but I, I wasn't exposing, like I wasn't wearing sleeveless shirts anymore, even though it was summer and it was hot. And I loved, I love sleeveless shirts. I love the way they look on me, but I, I fear that other people are having a reaction or a feeling about it. So, and I let that take over. Yeah, I remember we had a conversation in the Courage Club about that, how you were like, yeah, I'm wearing my sleeveless oh. and you were just like loving life, if you don't mind me saying that. No, I don't. <laughs> like, I don't. That was that was a kind of a coming out, <laughs> coming out of my arms. My arms were coming out. It was their coming out day. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and I realized like there's no reason that I have to feel um, like imprisoned in some really heavy cover-up clothing when the rest of the world is walking around with ease you know, in, in sleeveless and shorts and pretty dresses and things like that. How did food and exercise tie into the way you tried to fit an ideal body or the body ideal? How do you see it differently today? Well, I think, I think food and exercise played a huge role in, in the way I viewed my body. Food to me growing up, um, especially, you know, again, through my teen years and, and the rest of my life, food kind of was like a, an enemy. It wasn't a friend. It wasn't, it wasn't something to be um, enjoyed or or just to to feel good about and nourishing my body, my soul. Food was something to manipulate, to you know have control over, to make sure it's not it's not ruining my body by eating too much food, eating the wrong foods, or you know that kind of thing. Um, so food food was definitely a a big challenge to me. It made me self conscious. I didn't like to eat in front of people. Again, I've spent a lot of time worrying about other people's thoughts and mm. not my own. I let all my own thoughts just kind of melt away. Yeah, so so food was definitely something that wasn't, um, it brought a lot of anxiety to me. And exercise was kind of the same thing. So I was really, really active as a kid. Growing up, I danced. I danced for years. I was a cheerleader. I played volleyball. I played softball. I rode my bike my miles and miles every day. You know, we walked everywhere. You know, you want to go see if your friend's home, you have to actually either get on your bike and, and ride a few miles to their house or walk or whatever. And we didn't have cell phones or anything. So we were outside. My parents' philosophy, winter, spring, summer was, um, you know, get dressed and get outside and go play with your friends. So and that's what we did. We climbed trees and everything. Over the years, um, I didn't really, I didn't consider those exercise. I just considered that things I did, you know, they were fun. But over the years, I started getting hints from people or suggestions or advice that um, I need to be doing some real, like, quote unquote, real exercises. You know, you need to be doing jumping jacks and squats and sit ups and, you know, you got to crunch and get that stomach flat and all those things. And I started incorporating those into my life and I hated them so much. I hated them, one, because I was pretty much being told I had to do them. Like, these are things you have to do to make your body good. So I hated it for that reason. And also I didn't, I found no joy in it. I found no joy of getting on the floor and doing crunches. It didn't bring anything into my life that I appreciated. So I think I started to develop a really, you know, a, a kind of a negative view of exercise at that point. And, and that was unfortunate because um, I didn't realize that all the movement I was doing was, was good for me as well. You know, just little by little, things started to kind of shut down. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like you had this like joyful movement, mm -hmm. like and just also being a kid, but like before diet culture comes in and just like this natural, joyful relationship to food. Movement. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of and that it got went corrupted. Away. It did. It got corrupted. Yeah. And then, um, you know, and then in my 20s, got married, started having kids and, you know, working full time and life took over. And so all the joyful things that I did personally for me, um, we're just kind of out the window at that point, which is really unfortunate. But during different times in your life, you have the capacity for just so much. You know, you're you're wherever you are in your in your life, your headspace. I wasn't ready at certain points to be open to intuitive exercise or joyful movement. Um, it just and and anything focusing on me was no, that was kind of like out of the question. I don't. That was selfish. That was you know, not really like giving up, giving to others by giving to myself. You know what I mean? It was just hard to, 
yeah, it's hard to kind of like focus on how to be kind to myself. That was a, that was a concept I had no idea of when the first time I heard self-compassion and self-kindness and self-forgiveness, I'm like, what the hell? Self-compassion. I didn't, I had no clue. It was like a different language to me that it was okay to take time to step back and focus on you first. You know, mm. you know, the whole, the whole plane with the oxygen, you hear that so many times, but every, every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, I roll my eyes because I heard it so many times, but every single time it hits because it's so, it's so true. There's no better analogy than that. I don't think. I know it's such a good one, but there always is that, right? That little like part of your brain's like, well, I think I could put it on them first and then me. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm a ninja yep. and then burnt out ninja. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but, but what I, you know, what I've seen a lot is where the eating disorder though becomes the me time. Like, mm. so even though there's no self-care time, it's like the me time is the the thoughts about the food, the planning of the food, the behaviors around the food. And so I often like to kind of think about, well, like that is in some way a way of meeting one's care, but n- not in a constructive way. But there is some me time in that, right? When your thoughts are yours alone, just around your food and the body and all of that. Oh, yeah. You know, absolutely. Because, yeah, during times of like high stress or when, you know, I was like super busy and like, well, I don't have time to cook and eat. So I'm just going to do this drive through. But the time alone that I would spend in my car or bringing it into the house and kind of eating it by myself, those were those were times that helped kind of, I don't know, calm me. Or um, it was something I had control over also. And I'm a perfectionist, you know, born that way, raised that way, kind of still still am that way. But I, I'm working hard on trying to, um, you know, just let things kind of fall where they may. But, you know, it's, it's always a challenge. But that was, yeah, it was a way to, it was a way to control things. And, and yeah, it was definitely um, a lot of me time because a lot of, a lot of my behaviors or actions were done alone in private. I remember you sharing a long time ago that you have a tattoo that says like an uh, oh yeah up. I do it's it's right there on my wrist <laughs> I <love that. laughs> yeah I got that I got that on my on my fiftieth birthday I even brought my mother to, to the tattoo place with me um, while I got this uh, on my fiftieth birthday and it's just a, to me it's just a reminder well it actually has an interesting story when I first got this tattoo in my mind it was lighten up like lighten up physically and emotionally and financially it was like a whole four point core system i was developing for myself um however but weight loss was was still kind of included in that and um and i reached a point where i was like ah oh, now this tattoo has like a it's attached to this like diet culture thing of that i that i was so mm. involved in but I have since really just allowed it to be to mean just what it says, like lighten up. Don't think everything so seriously. You know, you, everything doesn't have to be perfect. There's no such thing. Um, so I, I am madly in love with this tattoo. And um, yeah, I, I look at it and I have it on my wrist specifically so I can look at it all the time. It's always a good reminder. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you were able to reclaim it yeah. in like a higher way and just like love it for that. Yeah. Even, even yeah. <laughs> even if I'm getting like, if I'm, if I'm around my mother and I'm, I'm getting anxious or something, whatever, she will look at me and she'd be like, read your wrist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Oh. Does anyone in your life make body image healing harder for you? You know, not, not intentionally. So I want to say that. I don't think there's anybody in my life who intentionally would make it hard for me or like knowing that things that they're saying or doing, making it hard for me. But, you know, it's hard being around people, like friends and family who um, put a lot of focus and emphasis on weight loss. And, you know, everybody gets sucked into the diet culture and, and the society views on body ideal. So I, I, I had been judging initially in my own recovery. I'm like, well, everybody should be knowing this and everybody should be thinking this. This is how everybody needs to be thinking. And when you don't, I I could become very like shut down around that person. I've come to a whole new way of looking at it um, without any judgment because everybody's everybody's living their own life. Everybody's got their own path to follow. Everybody has their own challenges. So I think sitting around with friends who talk about dieting a lot and talk about points and exercising and, um, you know, their mad workouts in the gym, it, it becomes, that becomes challenging to me. But again, I don't, there's nobody doing it intentionally. I think they're all in their own, 
in their own minds, it's very well-meaning. I had a friend once, and this is something that stuck with me, and this happened when we were, again, like teenagers. I had a friend once say to me, and we were sitting on a curb somewhere out in a park, um, and I was probably complaining because I didn't have a boyfriend and all my other friends were getting boyfriends. And she said, you are so funny. You're so pretty. Um, you're so smart. You're so fun to be around. And you have such, such a pretty face. If only you could lose the weight, you'd be perfect. Mm. And I, at the time, of course, was like, yeah, I know. I yeah, agreeing 100%. Um, but that I never, it never left my head. It it came back and haunted me so many times. Like, so in other words, I'm not, I'm not good enough yet. I'm not good enough. I have a lot of good qualities and they're all, you know, related to either my face or, or my mind, but body wise, I wasn't good enough. And um, so I just kept spending the rest of my life trying to reach that, trying to be perfect. When can I get my body in shape to match the rest of me to make me perfect? So in my mind, i it was something to strive for. And it never happened. It's never going to happen because nobody's perfect. And so, you know, that's where, that's where some of the other eating disorder behaviors and stuff started kicking into full gear again. Yeah. And it's interesting, like how just like one, one comment can Mm -hmm. just like bury this seed and then, you know, the continued thoughts just can grow it and grow it and the roots get deeper and deeper. And then it becomes like all consuming and a belief at that point that guides decisions and actions yeah. in life. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't blame her. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't hold it against her. There's no judgment. We're still very, very good friends to this day. And um, so it wasn't meant with ill will or malice. It was just, uh, you know, that's what you say to somebody, <laughs> you know, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, so have you noticed, I mean, yeah, there's definitely a lot of people out there who have a narrative around how bodies should look or how they want their bodies to look so they can project their own body stories. So, I mean, it's, it's really having to have that, you know, your own judiciousness, your own discernment around those things. Are you noticing with time that you're becoming more impervious? I guess I'm using high vocab words right now. Yeah. But do you, <laughs> do you like, do you find that you're starting to get less triggered by these? Because I, I often find that there's like at a point where it's like extremely triggering and then it can start to dampen and lessen and have that be less of an influence on you. Like you can be around it and not influenced by it. Yeah, absolutely. Like at, for sure. For sure that has happened. And that's where, you know, some, some of the freedom comes in that I don't, I don't take everything I hear so personally, I don't, I don't take everything that's said around me to, I don't believe that it's said about me. It's just, you know, these, these things come out and people talk, but yeah, things are a lot less triggering now. That said, I don't want to make this seem like, you know, like Pollyanna, I am a human being and I am, I'm not immune to feeling bad about myself sometimes, but now I have a whole different way of looking at it where I, I've kind of, I've kind of accepted and lifted that this is, it's not my fault. This is not, this is not something I, I did to myself to, to live in a body that maybe doesn't fit the quote unquote body ideal. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely less triggered. I also have way more control of my own thoughts now. You know, I, I've done a lot of work, uh, like thought work and therapy, of course, and, and things like that. So I don't believe everything that my mind thinks anymore. And I realized like, just because, just because this thought popped into my head, A, doesn't mean it's true. B, doesn't mean I have to let it live there and take up space. You know, C, I can change that thought. I can have, I can purposely have a different thought and that will lead to better actions and outcomes for me. Oh, I love that. Thoughts come and go all day long. I mean, we just have a million thoughts entering and, and leaving. But when something like enters like a thought enters that I normally would, that normally would make me feel bad about my body. I, I might, I might sit in that for a few minutes. I might, yeah, okay. I'm feeling bad about this right now, but very quickly now I can turn it around. I can, I I'll let, I'll just kind of like, I think you said it once or somebody said it to me once to sit in the suck. Right. So, mm-hmm. so it's like the sucky feeling I'm having. Um, and I'm going to sit with it for a minute. I'm going to like, okay, let me feel that. Cause it's a real feeling I'm experiencing, but the thought, wasn't perhaps real. Um, the feeling that it conjured up in me was real. So, so how about if I purposely change that thought into something, you know, a little bit more positive that I want to see like a positive, that I want to be how I feel 
Like I want to feel positive about this. So let's try to change that thought pattern and, and see if I can change the way I feel. And it, and it does, it absolutely works. It takes work. It takes practice. It, it's an ongoing practice like, like yoga or meditation, right? It's a practice. It's called a practice for a reason because you never perfect it. It's always a practice. So that's, and you don't just show up at your mat like yeah. once and be like, oh, <laughs> right. I'm a yogi. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, right. And like to sit, if I, if I could sit and meditate for three hours without, you know, just, I mean, completely clearing my mind, that would be amazing. It never happened to me. I'm lucky if I can go five minutes without having to remind myself, okay, back to my breath. Let's, you know, let, let like a million other thoughts come into play here. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's what, so I practice, I practice my thought work and I practice, you know, how I, how I treat myself and how I, you know, what actions I take based on the feelings I'm having. It all, it's all, it's all pretty intentional right now. That was the word that was coming to my mind. I was like, it sounds very intentional with a lot of awareness. And I'm also seeing you with like a lightsaber, like kind of like yielding the power of it. Like you like can see that there's a lot of power in this thought and you're like yeah. allowing the power of the emotion and all of that. Mm-hmm. But then like also recognizing that you do have the ability, the force to work with this uh, and doesn't have to take you down. What has having bad body image cost you? Gosh, it's cost me a lot. Like a, a lot. If I think about it, it has cost me, well, if we're using the word cost financially, having a bad body image has cost me dearly financially, but all of the diet programs and the fancy exercise equipment and all the things that I thought that I needed to have to have this, you know, to change and manipulate my body, you know, the financial cost is astronomical. It has cost me some relationships, you know, when, when you're so focused on, on, yourself and, and the, you know, negative things you're feeling and you keep yourself from opportunities and experiences, you know, stay home from things because it's easier than putting yourself out there and possibly being vulnerable in a situation that, you know, it may not end up feeling good. So you miss out, even though you really, really wanted to do that thing. You know, one of my, one of the saddest experiences for me is I, I backed out of being a bridesmaid for one of my best friend's weddings. We were mm-hmm. in our 20s and I had just had a baby and I was really like not feeling good about my body. She asked me to be in her wedding and of course I said yes. And then found out that she was having like somebody in her family was making all the bridesmaids dresses. So I had to send my measurements, um, all my body measurements to her so her aunt could make me this dress. And I panicked. It, it sent me, I mean, it's weeks. I, I fought with this in my head. Like I, I can't do it. And I finally said like, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't be in the wedding. And it was really, it was really, I regret it so much. She was wonderful about it and said, no problems. No, no big deal. Will you do a reading? And that way I could wear, you know, my own clothes and, <laughs> and still be part of the wedding. So she, she really opened it up for me to have that moment with her. Um, but yeah, it's a big regret. So yeah, it's cost a lot to cost me self-confidence, self-confidence, you know, just all the, all the ways I've, I felt and all the ways that, that, that I excluded myself from the world and kind of hid away for a long time. I think it's a really common theme is like hiding oneself, not being seen and then not even really knowing how good it does feel to like kind of losing that, like idea like actually it feels so good to be in connection with other people and to be seen and heard yeah and, absolutely yeah and they're not judging you in the way you think that they're judging you and the way you're judging yourself mm-hmm. and yeah yeah what steps did you take to repair body image oh wow it's um like a, like a lot of steps that I would not have taken earlier in my life one because I either didn't have the resources or the or the um the awareness or the the knowledge about that this is even that this is even something I can work on or I can change without changing my body, and so the first thing I did was just kind of admit to myself that I needed help. That mm-hmm. even though I perfectionist Joni that I am, um, you know, successful in my career and 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 life and things like that, um, I have a problem that I cannot solve by myself because I've tried, I knew I can't do it anymore because I've tried for over 40 plus years, right? The white flag of surrender. <laughs> like, okay. Right, right. <laughs> like, 
and the, and the thing is, like, I, I wasn't even sure that I really did need help, but I just knew I finally, I just knew I couldn't do this alone anymore. And and it's a very, very lonely place to be in because, you know, I, I didn't personally have anybody in my life that I could share this with. I didn't tell anybody that I suffered with an eating disorder for all these years. Nobody, my friends, my family, nobody knew. And so it's a really lonely place to be. So my very first um, step in in healing is um, finding a really, really good therapist. And I was very lucky and I found this wonderful therapist who I still work with to this day. And she helped me really like kind of go back in time. We, we started talking about, I started talking about weight immediately. The more we started talking, the more she helped me realize like, let's put all of that over here for now, because there's other things that have been buried underneath that. And um, so we spent a long time like going through some, you know, some childhood stuff. And I got a lot of that out and um, faced it all and just said, okay, from, from here now, where do we go? And so then she really started helping me work with, with, you know, how I felt about my body, things like that. And then I found a non-diet dietitian and a coach, and I've, you know, worked with her for years, um, helping me feel that relationship with food and with my body, you know, from that aspect. So, so those are the two big steps I took. However, something was like, I still, even though I had all that great support, you know, I felt very blessed and privileged to be able to, to seek that out, kind of create my own team. The one thing that was still missing was after that one hour therapy appointment or that one hour, you know, nutritionist and coaching session, all the rest of the hours in the week were mine, like to deal with on my own. And I still was missing some kind of support. And that's when I actively sought out like support groups or, you know, other people must be dealing with this. And that's when I stumbled upon Recovery Warriors. And you were just opening up like a a map your year program, you know, to help set goals and things like that. And that led right into the Courage Club. And that was the biggest blessing. That was the key for me that just, it was the final piece of the puzzle to put in place that I had other people. And it was the first time in my life I felt like I could exhale and say these things out loud to other people who are gonna not going to judge me. They're going to understand because they've kind of been through the same things. And uh, and that was a saving grace for me. And that was the, you know, really the the kind of like linchpin that turned that turned the tables was was having support. I remember when you were like just starting to think about joining. I remember receiving an email from you kind of being like, um, like, by the way, I'm like over 50. Like, am I the only one? I was like, no, like there's people. But that, that was a concern of yours, right? Yeah. That you were you weren't going to fit in or. Yeah. And it's um, funny. It's funny. You have such a great memory. So, yeah, that was that uh, my my biggest concern about joining was I thought I, so I had my own stereotype thoughts and my own biases on so eating disorder I don't fit in the in the stereotype stereotypical eating disorder image that people have that you know I'm I'm older I'm over 50 I am in a larger body and I don't look like a person living with an eating disorder so even even to this day like you know if I mention like oh yeah you know I had recovered from an eating disorder I get looks like you <laughs> what? So, so for the first time being able to open up um, and share that, but yeah, I wanted to know, like, am I going to be the only person of my age in this group? Because if I'm going to be with a bunch of teenagers, it's not going to feel really comfortable to me. And um, immediately you assured me that uh, absolutely no, and I'm not, I'm not even going to be the oldest person in the group. You know, there are other women. And once, once I joined, um, yeah, there were women of all ages and it was just remarkable to me. And since that time, I've, I've encountered so many other women dealing with the same things as me. And I, and I know that they're so lonely and closed up and yeah, I want to offer, I want to just offer that to so many other women because it was, it's so, such an important piece of my recovery. Well, a lot of people you work with, right? Primarily with your practice in, or in that age, right? Or like older women who Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the yeah, the women that I work with, you know, when I when I first left the field of education and opened up my own business coaching, my only goal was I want to I want to reach people who are my age and they don't know yet. They don't know that this freedom is available to them. They don't know that it exists. 
so I, I didn't even care. Like, I don't even care if it's like a big money-making operation or I just want, I want other women to know that you can, you can change, you can bring new things into your life that you never thought were possible. Um, just by, just by kind of like changing your thoughts and accepting, um, learning to like kind of be with yourself and accepting who you are and, and, you know, where you are in, in your life. I'll just say here that Joni has been so helpful in talking over the Beyond Body curriculum and what we're creating in, in the six-month Body Image Accelerator because we really want to gather together women who are in their you know mid to late 30s, 40s, 50s who are going through perimenopause, menopause, and you've been so instrumental in talking about your journey through these stages in life and body changes, and we really want to create a safe container for these conversations and for this time in our life, which can be a lot going on where, you know, you're caring for your kids and you're caring for your parents. Like talk about. Yeah. hundred like, percent. Like, yeah. Like that's a whole nother area. Instead of just, you know, being 20 and the whole world's ahead of you and you're struggling. It's like, but yeah, there's just a different, there's a different energy to it. And also like a reconnection to all that was lost where I think you have to really sit in that grief, but also feel that like, oh man, I got one freaking life and like, clock's ticking and I just want to enjoy it. And I, and I, I, I didn't feel that as much when I was, you know, younger. I think it, you know, and I'm, I'm just about to hit 40, but I think once you hit certain markers, you start to feel the, yeah, absolutely. the gravity of life. And it's, and you know, and it's completely natural. Right. And so, mm -hmm. and, and so many of us, especially women try to push those things away. Like, Oh, I don't want to be feeling like this. I don't want to be feeling you know, like I'm old at this age. Um, but you have to, I have to accept, you know, my, yeah, my body right now is like, is chronologically, my body is 58 years old. And with that comes certain things. And you, you know, you asked me earlier what, you know, what um, this has cost me. And the, the one thing I forgot to mention is it's cost me some aspects of my health because I hated going to doctors. I was constantly, you know, every doctor's appointment was just loaded with anxiety. You know, I'm going to be told to lose weight no matter what's wrong with me. And I met an orthopedic doctor about four or five years ago. Um, I was having some issues with my knee, one of my knees. And so found, come to find out, I have a little osteoarthritis in my knee. And when I went to see him, I thought, oh my God, I, first thing he's going to tell me is, you know, well, you need to lose weight. So I came prepared and, and this, I would do this often as I would go into the doctor's office. And, um, as soon as we start talking, I would say it first. And I would say like, you know, like, I, yeah, I know I need to lose weight, you know, I'm working on that, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then that everybody would agree. And that would be my prescription, go home and lose weight. Didn't matter what was actually happening to me, what, what the real diagnosis should have been. But this orthopedic doctor, I'll never forget. He, as I started saying that, he put his hand on my knee, my hurting knee, and he said, "Hey, this isn't your fault. You're 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 doing fine. You're doing everything right. This is not your fault. You're 54 years old. You have a lot of arthritis in your family. It's hereditary. You know, and and this is you know something that happens to lots and lots of bodies at this age. So please don't take this upon yourself as you did something wrong, and that's why you're here." And I cry. I literally started crying. I started crying. I've never had any doctor say something so compassionate to me and really like see me. And it was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. Yeah. And since then, I found I found a new primary care doctor who treats me like that every single time I come in. And um, and it was necessary. Like now I'm, you know, I have some recent diagnoses for a couple of autoimmune disorders and some chronic illness things that I it's changing now how I think about my body. And there was a lot of body grief that I had to go through in the past year to try to accept that I can't change those things. You know, like I, I tried my whole life to change my body to be something that I needed or wanted. And, um, and now I'm presented with some things that I, there's, I have no control over, you know, I can treat some symptoms and I can do things, but I have to navigate. It's like learning how to navigate a whole new world in a body that I don't control. And it's kind of, it's, I know this is going to sound like cliche, but it's kind of like beautiful and a pain in the ass at the same time, right? So I'm finding in it that when my body is hurting and I'm feeling certain things, I, instead of like cursing my body, like, ah, you know, 
why are you doing this to me? Because um, I spent a lot of time doing that. Um, now I'm like, oh, okay, I hear you. Like if I have a pain somewhere, I just kind of like touch my touch that part of my body. I'm like, okay, I hear you. All right, but let's let's see what we need. Let's work together. We're on the same team here. Let's see what we need. And so part of me, it's like waking up for the first time, like and really appreciating my body, even in this time of like distress. That's amazing. So going from a very adversarial relationship to really inviting it in and like you said, being a team. I can imagine, yeah, that doctor, how how meaningful it was to hear those words that you've probably been wanting to hear your whole life. Yeah, oh, and he, he has uh, no idea. He has absolutely no idea how much that changed my life for me. You know, I have found, and this is kind of one of my theories, is like when our inner world changes, our outer world changes. So it seems like you have done so much work in your inner world that now your outer world is reflecting people who are more caring, uh, like who are giving you the care that you deserve. Uh, you know, you have an amazing husband now that probably wasn't the same as husband number one, you know, in life. <laughs> or husband Just number like, two. <laughs> or husband number two. <laughs> Third time's a charm. Absolutely. But like, <laughs> do you see that now? Like, it's like, it's almost like when we demand more, like, this is what I really believe in, in Beyond Bodies, like, that's like the heart of it. It's like when you demand more, when you own that you're worth more and you start to get to this like inherent value that we all have and you feel it and you embody it, it's like the world shifts around you. At least that's kind of how I've seen. Like, it's just you don't tolerate. You're no longer a magnetic match for these things that are going to undermine you or hurt you or like so you're not attracting in a lot of these situations that are confirming essentially your beliefs. Yeah, that's that's really true. That's really true, Jessica. I think, um, you know, in, in early relationships in my life, I did a lot of settling, a lot of ignoring red flags because I thought, well, here's somebody who wants to love me. Here's somebody who wants to be with me. They, you know, they're showing that they want to be with me. So I would think a couple of things. I would think, well, I better, I better hold on to this because it's not going to come again. It's not going to come my way again. But that this is a, this is really horrible. And just like really thinking about this recently. I also then would feel like there's something wrong with that person because why, why do they want to be with me? Like, those are the things that would pop into my head. Like, well, there must be something wrong with that person because why else would they want to be with me when there's so many other women who, you know, are in thin bodies or, you know, whatever. And that would automatically start our relationship on a terrible, terrible note, you know, because I would, I'm like, well, I can't really have that much respect for them because they, they're settling for somebody like me and then I'm settling for somebody like them. So the relationships were doomed from the beginning. Yeah. Until, yeah. Until about, you know, seven years ago when I met my, my current husband, we've been married for almost six now. And I went into that relationship with a different mindset, thinking that I'm literally just going to be myself. I'm not going to change myself to meet them where they are. I'm not going to, you know, pretend I'm somebody I'm not. I'm going to say things that I like and don't like, you know, I'm going to speak up for myself and just be me. And if they like me, then they like me and I know it. And, and that's exactly what happened with my, with my husband. You know, I found somebody who he just saw right through all my outer bullshit stuff, you know, <laughs> my walls that I had up and all of that, you know, he's very kind and compassionate um, in that way. Um, and he's a psychologist. Conversations were so easy for me. I just found him the easiest person ever to talk to. Yeah. So, so yes, I, once I kind of got through this and let my own guard down a little bit and started respecting myself more and understanding that I had a right to take up space in this world, yeah, other things started kind of like coming to me and presenting themselves to me, which is how I ended up, you know, getting to leave a 28 year career in education and open my own business. And, um, and I haven't looked back since. I love it. It's authenticity. Like when we honestly act from like a very authentic place and speak our truth and know our value and respect it, have that respect. It's uh, yeah, the you, world aligns. You put it out in the world and it comes and it comes back to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What has come into your life more now that you're not so focused on judging and changing your body? Oh gosh, I think I think for me the biggest thing that has come into my life is just a freedom, a freedom or or like a feeling of ease that I don't have to be following so many rules. You know, like I let the I let a lot of those rules go, rules around food and rules around my body and and so there's a freedom that comes with that. And you don't really 
and it doesn't come all at once. It's not like all of a sudden, like I'm doing this work for a few years and then I wake up and like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm free now. Wow, this feels great. Now I can just go about my life and and be this way. There's just so many like little moments that that happen that lead to that. And um, so yeah, it's brought this freedom. It's brought some like more self confidence and a lot more awareness of who I am. And you know, I'm at this age of my life. I have more years behind me than I have ahead of me, and I don't want to waste any of them. You know, I'm understanding how how much I'm worth and how precious life is. And I want to make sure that I'm taking advantage of all of the things that I can. Um, again, it's just brought this whole new confidence and passion into my life that I, again, never thought, like I never, I would never have, you know, 20 years ago thought like, oh yeah, I'm just going to like give up my career and, um, and start coaching and, and um, counseling and things like that. But it just led me there. It was like a very natural, it was very natural process. It, that didn't happen overnight. It, I just took baby steps for a long time. And then finally, I was like, I'm ready. And I took a leap. And um, and it was a good leap. It was <laughs> yeah. a good leap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were yeah. ready for it. What do you appreciate most about your body? Hmm. Um, I think I appreciate that it does so many more things for me than I ever knew. Right. So let me well, clarify that. I think my body I think more now about the things that my body can do instead of what my body can't do. And, and that this, this year has challenged that because there are now some things that my body can't do. Um, but I think for me, it's just like, I appreciate that I can breathe and walk and, you know, and I appreciate that I can eat without, without feeling weird about it, you know, just like, it's just, it is what it is. And I think most I appreciate my body about my body is that it didn't give up on me. Like it could have, and you know, may have, may should have. Who knows? But um, it, you know, my body has not given up on me, and I'm you know relatively healthy, except for these few other things. But you know, they're not life threatening; they're just life changing, life altering. Um, and yeah, I just I really do like appreciate that. I have so many positive experiences with my body that I can go swimming, and I you know, and I I can dance, and I bought myself tap shoes and, you know, like I, my, my legs can work because they do it and they carry me and all of those things. Yeah. That's such a grateful mindset to have because yeah, it's counting your blessings and not counting your curses and things like that. Cause yeah, 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 exactly. Mm -hmm. And I do love how you're saying like there was this homecoming with the body and it was there to greet you when you were there to kind of come home to it more. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yes. Right. So when I was ready, like my body is still there. Like, and, and, um, I appreciate now knowing that, you know, my body is not my enemy, right. We're on the same team. We're on the same team and we may have, you know, we, we may, you know, make a couple of fumbles here and there. I'll, you know, talk football since it's (laughs) football season right now, but, um, yeah, I, you know, yeah, I fumble sometimes. Um, but one of us recovers that ball and, and then we get back together and move on, you know? So, so it's like, a you know, I, I'm, like this body is, is part of me, you know, and I want to, I just want to care for her inside and out. What is something, you know, now that you wish younger, you would have heard when developing her beliefs about her body? Um, I wish I would have known that like, well, one thing, when I just said is that, that we were on the same team, that my body did not need to change it. I didn't need to manipulate it, change it. I wish I would have known it was okay to accept my body just as it was and, you know, just, just live my life. Yeah. And I wish I would have, um, I wish I would have known that I wasn't alone, that I wasn't alone in what I was experiencing. I wish I would have known that where I, where I was like, none of it was my fault. I wasn't inviting these awful things. Um, you know, I wasn't born hating my body right? That's not, none of us are, none of us are born hating our body. We are absolutely taught to do that throughout our lives through the media and diet culture and, you know, greedy, money hungry (laughs) folks who want to, who have no interest in, in having us healthy. They just want to make sure that we keep paying for stuff. And yeah, I just think like all of those, like all of those things combined, I just wish that, um, yeah, I wish I had known that 
I was okay just the way I was, you know, that I was already the perfect amount of me, right? So I say, that's what I say to all my clients. And it's kind of, this is the name of my company, perfect amount of you. I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. What would you say to folks struggling to believe that they can be happy and healthy in their bodies, no matter what they look like? Mm. Um, I would say that I get that you don't believe that right now. I get it, you know, and it's, um, I, I feel that. And what you're feeling is very, very real. Like the things that you're thinking and feeling there, um, you know, they're, they're your experiences. So don't, don't just discard them, but get curious about them. And that, yeah, accepting your body the way it is now is, it's not easy. And I'm going to, I want to acknowledge that, you know, because I don't want people to think like, oh, you just, you know, do these one, two, three things and, and you're in full like love with your body, but you can get to a place where you feel neutral about your body, where you, you know, you, you just understand like, okay, this is my body. Yes. I can do some things with it. Some things I can't do with it. I, you know, and that's okay. And, and you know, I think about that with my brain too, right? So there's there's things that I'm really, really smart at. Like there's really, you know, I have a lot of intelligence in certain areas. And then there's there's other areas. Like if I think about like math, I'm like, okay, that's not my that's not my forte, you know, algebra or something like that. But it's that's how it's supposed to be. We're not supposed to be perfect and good at everything. You know, find and appreciate your own talents and your own gifts that have nothing to do with your body you know, and then, and then kind of go on from there and, and think about a, a lot of people will say, and I, this thing I always said is I'm just not comfortable in my body. Right. And so that's what I work with women on. We, we break down like, well, what does that really mean? Like, what does it really mean that you're not comfortable? Um, you know, I feel like I can't like, you know, stretch, I get stiff and okay. Well, there's so many other things that we can do to work on those without changing and manipulating your body or making you feel badly for the for the skin you're in, right? This, the body, the body that you're in is your vehicle to experience life. And so you need to figure out how to experience life in the body you're in. Otherwise your life is going to go and you're going to look back and be like, I never, I never really realized my full potential here. And it was because I didn't feel good about my body. And that's so sad to me. It's heartbreaking. It really is. And yeah. And there's always a time to, no matter how many years have gone by, I, I really do believe that the power in the present is really like, that's where the most transformation can happen. And so always yeah, moving for forward. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and enjoy the moment that you're in. God, I spend so much time, you know, this is another thing that, right, it costs you. I spend so much time future thinking, like I'm going to, I can do all of these things I want to do in my life when my body is right, when I've lost the weight. And so all the time passed and I didn't do those things. And guess what? I, I have been at, I have had times in my life where I was much thinner than I am now. And you know what? All those times in my life when I, when I was at that weight, none of the things, none of the things that I really wanted came to me. They didn't just magically appear, you know? So it's, so it's, I have so much evidence and proof that my worth is not my weight. And it just took a long time to start believing it. I know, I know we all say, you know, like, you know, now I'm at this age and I have so much wisdom. I had none of that when I was, when I was young, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the wisdom that I have now knowing that so many of the other things were irrelevant and unimportant, but I let them take over. Yeah. That's such a good call and reminder to live in the present. And it is really the point of power is in the present. And I also get totally caught up in futuristic thinking and usually what happens is anxiety comes in like because yeah. if there's any fear of the future, I mean, anxiety is just future-oriented fear. So then it's like some anxiety can come in or, yeah, this massive feeling of missing or this gap that you need to fill. And it Yeah. And what happens then, it's, it becomes paralyzing. And then, you know, you can't, you can't move any, either way. You can't move mm -hmm. forwards or backwards or anything. You're just stuck here. And uh, it's a really scary and frustrating place to be and to live in. Yeah. And, you know, just to kind of mention, since we are doing this series to really help you guys, um, if you are interested in joining Beyond Body, which is our six-month body image accelerator program, we are doing a lot of work around tapping into your unique gifts, your your strengths, mm -hmm. your talents, to, to, to see them, to feel them, to know like, all right, mm -hmm. I'm going to move out into the world with these and see how I am not, my, my weight is not my worth. And also we have components that we're doing each week on 
embodiment skills on actually getting into the body, into the present, doing the nervous system healing that helps with feeling safe and secure to make steps forward in your life. Because a lot of that can just be paralyzing. Like, I don't even feel safe or secure to go, you know, or, or embody or to feel that discomfort. And how can you actually sit in the discomfort, which is a natural emotion to have when facing any type of change in, in body and um, mm-hmm. life. So yeah, that's, that's great. And I, I, you know, I think for anybody, um, for, honestly, for anybody listening, you know, I know the thoughts, I know the thoughts are, you know, like, well, I can just, I can just Google, you know, what do I need to do to do this? Or I can just, I can do this on my own. Like I know that I, I can just find the information. I don't have to, you know, pay for a big program or, or get involved with a group of people. I just will tell you that please don't underestimate the power of support and connection in, you know, whether it's a program or a support group, or even if you have friends who are in similar experiences, talk about it. Like you don't talk about it. It's not, it's not going to be, you're still going to be kind of hiding. Um, so if you, you know, join a program, when I joined the Courage Club, the the thing, you know, aside from really helping my recovery, for me, it, it brought so many beautiful friendships into my life, um, lifelong friends, you know, that um, I'm still very, very close with. And um, it's just been the most amazing experience. And I, I don't even know how you can put a, like a value on it other than it just, it was the invaluable, invaluable to me um, being part of a group like that. It really is. I've seen it like year after year. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, it works. It's like what we need. Like the head can Google, but the heart yeah. can't Google. The right. head can exactly. like over it. Like, That's such a good thing. But the heart is like what needs to connect. The heart needs to feel. The heart needs to be seen. Like it, it's there's something so powerful, uh, powerful about non-judgmental open space to just be in the process and yeah. And having a light knowing like, let's keep moving forward though. Like we don't want to get stuck in the process. We want to like be in the process and advance yeah, in the absolutely. process. Yeah. And to have, and to have a group of people kind of cheering you on because most people in this situation, you know, or have lived with an eating disorder or, you know, terrible body image, they don't have, they don't have a cheering section, you know, they, they'll have people in their lives who love them no matter what. And will say, Oh my God, stop it. You know, you're, you're not fat or don't, you know, don't talk about yourself that way. And it's like, well, listen, I'm just being real. This is me. And it's okay. Like it, fat's not a bad word to me anymore. You know, it's, it used to be like, you know, well, the dreaded F word, you know, it's just, it, it's a word. It's a descriptor. I, I don't let it like stab me like I used to, you know, so my body is my body. And when you find people to connect with who support you and understand that and, and don't tell you that what you're feeling isn't real. Um, that's really important. Yeah, I feel like what we do with the Courage Club and, and Beyond Body is like, a, you know, which is a, Beyond Body is a much more high touch, like live calls, very, very tight knit. Like think about it like a small retreat size. Like you're going in a small retreat for six months with people. Like you're going to bond. And like the idea about the cheerleading section, which I think is important, is when you have support that is you're creating like this new social reality. And so first of all, you mm. know that people are all there like against diet culture or wanting to find this body liberation. So you're all kind of like on the same team in that sense, like rowing in the same direction. But there, there's something about community support where it's not attached to an outcome. Like like your your family probably wants you to get better because they don't want to see Joni in pain. You know what I mean? Like there's like or they want it to stop, like, or they, like, you know, there's this, there can be these unconscious said or unsaid lines of communication yep. around you and your issue that, you know, that your, your family, your close friends, your kids, your partner. And that's, that's the, that's the, the best part about it, I think, is that, again, from the no judgment, but having, having those people who just get it, they just get it. And there's no expectation placed upon you other than just be here, just be here and talk to us. And, you know, we'll talk to you and, you know, you, you get my back, I'll get your back. But in the, in the outside world, so you, then you, you know, you get put in this like really safe, really comfortable bubble of um, people who are the same, you know, like who, who think the same and who experience the same. And then you kind of like step out of that back into the, back into your own outside world again. Sometimes it's kind of shocking. And, um, and in the beginning I would get like angry and be like, Oh God, why doesn't anybody, you know, why does anybody, any of my friends or my family understand, or, you know, like I, or 
I wish I could open up to them more and tell them, but they won't understand. And now, and, and I had so many unrealistic expectations that I put on other people. Like I kept expecting everybody to know exactly what I knew, to kind of want to learn exactly what I was learning, but it, it didn't really have a place in their life. So, so now having this, I call it like, you know, my other kind of family that has lifted a lot of expectation or like unfair expectations that I put on other people. And so now I just let everybody who's in my life, they have a role and I appreciate whatever they're in my life for. I appreciate their role in it so, so much. Um, and it's just made my life a little easier to not, you know, have all these letdowns all the time. I'm like, oh, they don't get it, but they're not supposed to get it. That's not their role in my life. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's the perfect word. It's like ex- expectation. It's totally that. It's like expectation free, like non judgment. But it's really mm-hmm. that. It's like the expectation is that you're on the journey, you're on the path. Like that. that that's what I love about about these communities where you can be met within any any part of the process, and there yeah. you don't have to come with that shame that can sometimes happen with family members or close ones where you can feel that shame. And you know, you just said it, but you mentioned it, you mentioned it a few minutes ago too. And this is so important, I think, in that other people like our families or our friends or, you know, whoever has an expectation that we will be better, that we'll, that we're going to get better, that we're going to get cured of whatever it is that we're, that we're going through. And, um, and that, that's just not the case. We're on, we all know, right? We talk about this, that recovery is not linear. It's like a roller coaster. I mean, mm-hmm. really highs and lows and peaks and valleys. And there's not, I don't have, I don't have an outcome that I'm striving for. I'm just striving to get through the day. I'm just striving to live my life. I just want to, you know, I just want to live and be and do the things that I want to live and be and do, um, you know, but I'm not, I'm not waiting for this like magical time all of a sudden you know, when I'm going to be like, okay, I'm done with all this stuff. And now I have this awesome, perfect life. Because that like, doesn't my exist. Life, my life was right. And no, it doesn't exist. It does not exist. And so when we really begin to understand that, um, it, it is such a freedom. Like I, I said, like I can exhale and know that, okay, this, everything's going to be okay. Like I'm fine. I'm fine. And I can have good days. I can have bad days. I'm normal. I'm like everybody else. You know, and I just don't let I just don't let the bad days like take over, and I and I just have the skills and the tools that I've learned along the way to um to know how to quickly get back to myself again. Oh, you are such a Jedi, Joni. I love it. That's good. that's your <laughs> new nickname for you. <laughs> I don't even like watch Star Jedi Wars, Joni, but like yeah, you do. Like... I know you always love those names. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Where can all the warriors stay in touch with you, or how how can all the how can all the warriors stay in touch with you? Um, well, you know, I do have an Instagram account, but I'll I'll preface that by saying that I am not like a big social media person. Um, but I am on Instagram, uh, coaching, And, um, and I have a website, joniodonnell.com, you know, or anybody can reach me like through the website. You can contact me if you want to send me an email or something. Yeah. Joni at joniodonnell.com. Feel free to reach out. I'd love to, even if you just want to like have a quick conversation or, um, ask me a question about anything, I'd be more than happy to talk with anybody. Um, it, again, because, I want to give so much back to what has been given to me. And I think that's, that's my purpose in life right now is just to, um, is just to help people feel the things that I've been able to finally feel in my life and know that they're possible. So beautiful. Yeah. It's just that giving back. I love it. And excited to have you be a part of Beyond Body. You definitely have been instrumental in helping us shape the crypt curriculum yeah shape the curriculum yeah, thanks no it's been great i always love working with you jess you know yeah <laughs> oh well you are amazing and once again joni o'donnell.com you can find that below in the show notes and or just you can find that below in the episode notes here and yeah joni it's amazing connecting with you and i love the wisdom that you share and just your your outlook on your body and life thanks i really appreciate that and i appreciate all that you've done i mean your podcast and your programs really um you know, we're a big part of my, my process here. Mm. Yeah. Don't, I don't want to be disconnected. <laughs> no, <laughs> so I, connected. I, 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 yeah, I always stay connected because I think that's um, really key for me. Yeah. Connections, everything it heals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, lovely listener, your body is a powerful and amazing instrument whose job is to carry you through this world and help you experience life. And so 
We are here for you. Subscribe and continue to follow this series and come join us on the path to body freedom and learn what it means to fully live in your body, regardless of your shape, your size, or the number on the scale. Go to recoverywarriors.com slash beyond to request an invite to apply for Beyond Body. This is our six-month body image accelerator program for middle-aged professional women with a history of an eating disorder. So once again, that's recoverywarriors.com slash beyond. We would love to connect with you close and up personal week after week for many months and many moons to do this deeper healing work together. Thank you so much for being a part of this. 